You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 1. Uh, if you're new, you haven't been here in a while or whatever, we're going through the Gospel of John together. And so we are in the last passage of Scripture here in uh, John chapter 1. We'll get there in a second. As you're turning there, uh, man, what a huge week in the life of our church, especially in our family ministry. Um, if you were, if you knew, or if you were there uh, this past Wednesday, you saw uh, over 500 kids, students, uh, middle school and high school students playing dodgeball. And uh, it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal night. And I want to thank you guys for, for serving. How many of you guys just wave at me? You were there, you were serving, uh, you were hanging out. Thank you guys for them. Would you clap for them and pat them on the back right now and give them a high five. Thank you for doing that. Um, that, meant, that means so much to our family ministry and just our team in general. And uh, we're excited this coming Wednesday is fight night. So we're asking all those students to come on Wednesday night and we're gonna uh, preach the gospel to them and love on them. And we're, we're praying and we hope you'll join us this week in praying that we'll see uh, many kids and, uh, accept Christ and many decisions made. And that's why we do this, right? Um, everything that we do is about making disciples and, and, and taking the gospel to this city and taking the gospel to this world. And so uh, we're sending over Overseas. We're sending um, our, our people to the campuses here in town and we're just praying that God um, would, would just do a work and, and we're, we're seeing him do that. And it's surreal sometimes uh, walking around the gym there this week and seeing, you know, 600 plus people walking around. It's like we've come a long way, you know, from, from Maryville High School or uh, Maryville Christian School when we were setting up in the gym. Like God has, has done a work here and, and we're pumped about what he's doing and, and I just want more of it. And um, I think today really falls in line with, with all of that. Everything that we do um, is really just taught in this passage because we're gonna see today the value and importance of relationships. So if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that our vision is to, is to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. Now, why is that so important to us? Why is making disciples and relationships so important to us? And the, and the short answer is because we see it all throughout the New Testament. And we're, we're specifically seeing Jesus do it today. And uh, that, that's why, that's our heartbeat. I mean, that's why we do what we do. And, and, and we're praying that you guys catch that vision and get excited about that vision and realize the, the simplicity in that method. And uh, that's why we don't do a lot of programs. We don't have a lot of stuff filling up our calendars every night of the week here at the church. You know, we're, we're focused on small groups. We're focused on Sunday morning. And uh, yeah, we're gonna do movie night. And, and um, I think we're watching God is Not Dead, by the way. Somebody was asking me that. Um, and so that's, a great, that's a great movie to bring people to. I almost got an applause for that. Okay. All right. That may be my only applause today, um, but I'll take it. Um, so, you know, it's, gonna, it's just opportunities like that to bring people. Um, but by and large, you know, Sundays and, and small groups is, is, is what we focus on here. And um, in, our, in our text today, we're going to start in verse 35. Um, this is uh, John the Baptist. Again, we talked about him last week. He's got two disciples that are, are getting ready to leave him to follow Jesus. And then we'll get into uh, the reason why here in just a minute. But verse 35, let's read it together. Um, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. This is talking about John the ba Baptist. Verse 36, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. 
One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now let's just pause right there. What we're going to see today is we're going to see three different people meet Jesus in three different ways. And as we look at these three situations, I want you to think about how you came to know Christ, first off, and recognize how God used others in your life and relationship in your life to bring you to Jesus. And then I also want you to see and understand who is in your circle of influence, who you're in relationship with, that God is calling you to point and lead to Jesus. Okay, so with that in mind, the, the, the main point today is that you can lead people to Jesus. Okay, you have been equipped with, with, as a believer, God has saved you. You have been equipped. You can lead people to Jesus. That's just, that's just that easy. So in this situation here, we see John the Baptist. He's with his disciples. Jesus walks by and he says, look, there's the Lamb of God. Now, this wasn't the first time he said this. We saw even last week, he was pointing people to Jesus saying, you know, that he was the lamb of God that's gonna take away the sins of the world. And so as Jesus is passing by, John the Baptist is like, there he goes, there's the lamb of God. And so um, the, the two of his disciples, Andrew is one of them. We know Andrew is one in verse 40, uh, tells us that. And then the other one, they, they leave him and they start following Jesus. Now, this is interesting. Who is the other disciple? Well, a quick study of the Gospel of John, uh, and most scholars will, will believe this, that the, the other disciple there is John, the author of this book. And so he never references himself as John. He never uses himself. Um, he, he never you know, reveals his name in the book. He always says uh, when he's talking about himself, this disciple, or he'll say that disciple or the disciple whom Jesus loved, um, which is my favorite way. You know, it's like, I'm the one Jesus, I'm Trent, the, just, you know, the one Jesus loves, which is interesting. But uh, that's how he refers to himself. And so um, through that, we know that it's Andrew and more than likely it's John as well. So this is the day that the author of this book met Jesus in a very real and personal way. Now, how did he meet Jesus? This is the first point if you're taking notes. He met Jesus because somebody taught him about Jesus. Somebody is teaching him about Jesus. This is John the Baptist teaching them about Jesus. Now, this is important because some of you came to know Christ because somebody taught you about Jesus. Maybe it was a dad or a mom. Maybe it was a pastor, a teacher um, in your life that just taught you who Jesus was. Maybe it was a Sunday morning just like this and the pastor was preaching the gospel and you had heard it before, but for whatever reasons, it was in that moment, that day that the Holy Spirit just got a hold of you. And it was the kind of sermon that you were like, I felt like he was speaking to me the entire time. You ever had that happen? He was like, I think he was talking right to me. And that was the day that changed your life. Somebody taught you about Jesus. And that is what changed your life. Now, this is what we see John the Baptist doing. He's teaching them about Jesus. And what happens? They leave him. <laughs> hey, thanks for your time, John. We're out, you know, and they start following Jesus. Now, if, if it were me or, or you, we probably would have, have gone, whoa, 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 whoa. don't leave, <laughs> come back. I, I, he, he's cool, but you know, don't forget about me, you know? He doesn't do that. I'm sure he's secure in his identity. He knows that's the Lamb of God. He's like, yeah, I'd, yeah, I would leave me too. I would follow that man, you know? And so he, he, he understands that as a disciple maker, that we are only in a season of discipling a certain person. Now, this is huge if you're a small group leader, you're, you're trying to invest in people's lives. You're only going to be able to invest in them for a season. Why? Because the nature of a healthy relationship is that as they grow up, 
They in turn are sent out. They in turn must go on and develop and grow other people. That's why in our small groups, we talk about branching our groups all the time. If you are in a group for three plus years, it's an unhealthy group. There's just no way around it. If I'm with the same group for three years, shame on me as a leader because I want to develop them and help them grow spiritually so that they in turn will step out and begin to lead other groups and other people in whatever form, in whatever way. And so John understood this. He's discipling them for a season, but eventually they're going to go on. They're going to, they're going to follow somebody else. They've got to live their life. They've got to grow in other areas and in other ways they're going to leave. And so as they leave and they begin to follow Jesus, Jesus leaves them as well. And as he leaves them, he gives them the great commission and says, now it's your turn to go and make disciples. And so that's the model that we look at. That's the model that we see taught over and over in the Bible. And so that's why we do small groups the way that we do them. We're gonna, we're gonna serve and love and, and, and my co-leader is gonna lead some and, and eventually he's gonna take some and eventually my group is gonna branch. Every single year, my group has branched personally. We've taught different groups, we've split groups, we've done different things every year. But the mentality is we're sending some of you guys out, we're bringing some new people in because there were more people people that need to know Jesus. And so the ideal for us is like, I can always, in, you know, get together and, and have a relationship and grill out and eat with f- people that were in my former groups. That's not the deal. We can always be friends, but for the purpose of making disciples, we're going to be intentional about that. And that's the model that I, I believe we see taught all throughout the Bible. And specifically, we're seeing some of this taught here in this, this way through John the Baptist. So, so as we disciple people, we want to keep the end in mind. The end in mind. In other words, eventually one day they're going to leave and eventually they're going to go somewhere else. And, and so every day I want to take advantage of every single opportunity to invest in them. The same is true for you as a parent. Keep the end in mind. Eventually they're going to graduate. Eventually they're going to get a job. Eventually they're going to move out of your house, hopefully, right? That's the, that's the point that they're going to have their own family and they're, 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 going, to, they're going to be sent out to develop their own family and, 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 and do this deal. And so, so that's a very good thing. So keep the end in mind. One day they're going to leave. And so take advantage of every single opportunity. Now, some of you met Jesus like this. Somebody taught you about Jesus. Somebody encouraged you with a certain teaching or whatever. And, and, and so my question for you is this, who are you teaching Jesus to? Who are you teaching Jesus to? Who are you gonna teach somebody about Jesus? Who, who is it in your life that, that you should be teaching? Is it a friend, a neighbor, kids, somebody? That you should be teaching them about Jesus because somebody taught you. Now, it's interesting how Jesus responds to them. Um, the two disciples heard, they, they say this and they, and they followed him. And Jesus turns to them and he says, what are you seeking? You know, it's like they're following him. They're like, you know, <laughs> they're like creeping on him a little bit. I can see him kind of you know, following him. He's like, dude, what do, you, what do you guys want? You know, and this is a great question. Like, what's the purpose of this? Why are you following me? I think it's a little bit deeper than like, what are you doing kind of question. It's like, why are you seeking me? What is the purpose behind this? What a great question. What a great question for you to ask yourself this morning. Why are you here at church? Why do you gather every Sunday morning? Why are you going to small group? Like, what is the purpose of your life? Why are you doing this? And, and Jesus would ask you that same question. What's the purpose? Because see, when I, 
like want to disciple somebody, when I want to invest into someone, I want to know what their purpose is, what they're seeking, because I can't make anybody want Jesus. I can't make you want more of Jesus in your life. I can't force you to grow. I mean, as much as I would like my kids to grow, as much as I would like some people to get it, we can't do that, but I can only do my part and I can trust God to do his part. And so in this, Jesus is saying, what are you, what are you doing? Now, now, you know, for me, I wanna know that. I wanna know that the person that I'm spending time with and investing in wants Jesus and they're not just doing that for a quick fix. Like I want God to fix a problem in my life. And as soon as he fixes it, then I can go and, and, and go back to normal life. No, I want somebody who truly wants to dive in to this relationship with Jesus. And so they ask him an, an interesting question when he says, what's your purpose? What are you seeking? And they say, where are you staying at? <laughs> where are you staying at? Again, you know, we kind of read into this and we realize that a, for, for them, they wanted a relationship with Jesus. Man, let me come hang with you. Can we come over to your house? Can we chill for a little while? Can we go grill? Can we, can we watch some TV, you know, to, together? Can, can we spend some time with you? And Jesus says, yeah, come on, come and see. Come, come and I'll take you to my house. So again, we see relationship. The very foundation of making disciples is relationship. If you want to help somebody truly understand who Jesus is, somebody who doesn't know Christ, you wanna lead them to Jesus, invite them over to your house, cook a meal for them and develop a relationship with them. And as you do that, as you invest into them relationally, then they are more inclined to hearing how God has changed your life. They're also able to see you in action. Like this is me in action with my kids, with my family. This is what we do. This is how we do it. And then it's in the confines of that relationship, man, that God just does something special. And he does that in the life of the disciples. They go and they spend an entire day with him and their life is transformed. This is the day that the author of this book met Jesus. His life was completely changed. And how was it changed? He went over to his house and spent some time with him. Now, Again, we go back to this concept of teaching and we go back to this concept of making disciples in our church and it's why we go into homes. There's something so special and just, just um, you know, very, very relational to be in somebody's house on their couch as you're talking about faith, as you're talking about the Bible. And still yet, we see that, that these two men, John and Andrew, had to break through a barrier. They had to overcome something in their life and we don't wanna overlook that. And the barrier that they're breaking through is a barrier of tradition in their life. They don't let the tradition or what they're used to, what they're comfortable with, which is following John the Baptist, keep them from experiencing Jesus. Now, this is important because we're very inclined to do this. We're very comfortable in a situation. We're very used to certain traditions, maybe in church, how people did it in our last church or how we did it, you know, when, my, when I was a kid. And, and we're, we, we get so latched on to tradition that we can miss an opportunity to grow in Christ. John and Andrew didn't let that happen. I mean, they said, they, they said goodbye to John, which was their past. This was their tradition. This is what they were used to. And they had to give up someone they were following to begin to follow someone different, which is Jesus. Now, this is huge. Some of us are overcoming that even as you sit here. Your spouse wanted you to come here, but you didn't. You know, that's not how I did it when I grew up. That's not what my mom and dad did. This is completely different. And, and so like for you, the barrier for your growth step as you grow closer to Christ is overcoming this barrier of, of tradition in your life and how you've always done it. 
And so for Jesus, he, he, he's able to, to reach out to them, to bring them into a relationship with him. And, and, and they, he says, come and see. And, and they're like, Rabbi, where are you standing? He's like, come and see. And they spent the entire day with him. Now, this is, this is huge. And I just want to throw that question back up. Like, who will you teach about Jesus? Who will you teach about Jesus? Somebody taught you. Who are you teaching about Jesus. Now, some people look at the Gospels and they see contradictions. And so they're going to say, oh man, there's contradictions all throughout. They tell different stories and it's all different. And, and so one of those things is, is how Jesus calls his disciples. And so very clear, clearly, if you turn over to, to say Mark chapter one, you're going to see Jesus walking up to, to Peter and Andrew and, and they're fishing and, and he's on the beach and he says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they leave everything and they follow Jesus. Now, now some people see that story in this story as being contradictory because it's a different, different way. It's a different thing. But clearly what we see when we understand the Bible is that this is their salvation experience. This is when they first met Jesus and, and, and they first committed their life to him and they first spent time with him. And so this is their salvation experience. And then when they're on the seashore, Jesus says, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. That was their calling into ministry. So it was a different day. It was a different scenario. They had already known Jesus. They had already begun to uh, give, give their life to Christ. But he goes to them that day and he calls them into ministry. And so our first situation is John the Baptist teaching Andrew and John. The next part that we're gonna see is also pretty awesome. Let's start in verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his, bro his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, the first thing Andrew does when he meets Jesus is he reaches out to a family member. He reaches out to his older brother. So if you're taking notes, number two is a family member brings you to Jesus. This is our second situation here. A family member brings you to Jesus. Now, for some of you, a family member brought you to Jesus. Maybe it was a sibling, maybe it was a parent, and an uncle, a cousin invited you to church or for whatever reasons, they, 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 they pointed you to Jesus. And so you can relate to this. And, and, and here we have Andrew, who is the younger brother, uh, going to his older brother saying, we have found the Messiah, we found Christ. Now put yourself in this situation. This was huge. I mean, we, we have found the, our King, we have found our Savior, we have found the one that everybody has been writing about, we've been praying for, we've been searching for. He is here, I found him. This is so much bigger than me saying, Peyton Manning's coming over to my house for lunch today. <laughs> you know, way bigger than even that. And he goes and he tells his older brother that we have found the Messiah. It's the first thing that he does. Now, how many of you guys would say, men in the room, you have an older brother? Let me see your hand. Let me see how many are in here. All right, good. So you, you can kind of relate to me. You've got an older brother. I have an older brother. Um, and, and so we can kind of relate to Andrew in this sense, because when you're growing up, your older brother tends to harass you and terrorize you, right? Can you, can you relate to that a little bit? I remember when I was a kid, we didn't have 
you know, obviously cell phones and video, you couldn't record and, and all that kind of stuff with a video. But my brother did have a tape recorder, one of those old school tape recorders with a little cheap little microphone deal. And he used to do all kinds of dumb stuff with that. But I think his favorite thing to do uh, when I was a kid is hold me down and record as he smacked my belly to the tune of Bonanza. Like he would just flat out, just wear me out. And of course I'm screaming and, and, um, and, and he, just, he just had a ball with that. And so um, what's funny though, all the little brothers in the room, like we had our way of getting them back, right? We couldn't, we couldn't beat them up. We couldn't wrestle them, but we had our ways. I'll never forget. I was in the car with my brother Todd and um, he, he was flying on the interstate. I mean, we were, we were passing everybody left and right. And, and he was like, Trent, look how fast we're going. I looked over and we were going 95 miles an hour. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. And I was thinking in my mind, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell. And I did, man. As soon as I got home, I was like, hey, dad, you might want to know that Todd was going 95 miles an hour on the interstate. Can you believe that? It was so unsafe, you know. Next thing I know, my dad is just wearing him out, you know, just giving it to him. And he's looking at me, you know, he's thinking, I'm going to get you back, man. And I'm like, bring it, big boy, bring it. And so... Dinner that night, you know, the awkward family dinners as everybody, you, nobody's talking and everybody's mad. And like all you can hear is the silverware on the plates and the jingle and the glass. But, but you love it, you know. And this is Andrew. I mean, I, I got to figure that as they grew up, Peter was giving him a hard time. You know, he was beating him up. He was the older brother. Um, they, they, they had a great relationship, obviously, but, but he was a little brother. And, and when you look on through the gospel and through the rest of the Bible, Peter becomes this great, great leader. I mean, th- this is a man that's leading the disciples and he's, he's preaching. And, and, and so he, he kind of lives in the shadow of his older brother. The older brother got more attention. The older brother had maybe more leadership or whatever. And so uh, Andrew, he, 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 you know, he doesn't get cities and, and, and things named after him like Peter does. Think of all the cities, St. Petersburg, every, so many things, you know, for this great man, Peter. But what, what did Andrew get? Andrew got the San Andreas Fault named after him. You know, that's Spanish for St. Andrew. And so, okay, thanks for naming me after a fault that kills millions of people over the course of history, okay? So he's living in this kind of, you know, this state of I'm the, I'm the younger brother. However, one thing that I, I can relate to as a, as a younger brother is like, I love my older brother. Like he and I are our best friends right now. And, and so like I care about him. I want him to grow. I want success for him. I want great things for him. And, and so this is Andrew. I mean, he wanted his brother. The first person that he wanted to talk to was his older brother. Now we know in the Bible that teaches us that Andrew kind of lived with his older brother for a season, uh, that the fishing business was more than likely owned by Peter. And so little brother is living with his older brother um, and, and working for his older brother. And yet, man, they had a great relationship and he's, he's, he's living and he's, the, the first thing that he does is he goes to his older brother to teach him and tell him about Jesus. Now, here's my question. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. I know this is a hard one. What family member do you need to point to Jesus? Ah, don't you hate it when the pastor asks a question and God puts somebody in your mind right then? It's like, ah, oh, I know it's tense. I know there's past. I know there's, I know there's pain there. In some of your relationships, there's a lot of tension. And so to, to share Jesus with the family member or that particular family member is like asking you to share Jesus with the most difficult person in the world. And yet I believe God is calling you to do it. 
I believe that through the confines of that relationship that you can say, you know what, I know you know I'm a knucklehead man, you know where I failed, you know where I messed up, but praise God, because he saved me and he's forgiven me. And I'm still growing and I'm still learning, but man, I would love for you to understand who Jesus is. What a powerful, powerful story. See, here's what we know about Andrew. All throughout John, we're gonna see him bringing people to Jesus. And what a legacy to leave. Oh, Andrew, oh yeah, that's the guy that brought people to Jesus. What a powerful legacy to leave. And what a powerful way for us to minister to the lives of those in our family. I believe God is calling us to to, to make disciples. and, And I do believe it starts with our family. What family member is God calling you to point to Jesus? Here's what... Jesus says to Peter, he sees him and he, he basically gives him a nickname. He changes his name. He says, he says, you're Simon, son of John. You should be called Cephas, which when translated into Greek means Peter, which when translated in our, in English means rock. So he's basically changing his name to the rock. You know, how cool would that be? Um, was he the rock? No. Like he denies Jesus. You remember that story? He, I mean, he's, sometimes Peter speaks before he thinks. And so he's kind of that guy, you know, he's very impulsive and very, very, you know, just dominating. And so he makes a lot of mistakes, but Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm gonna call you the rock. And, and what's interesting about that is that Jesus sees the potential in Peter. He doesn't see him for who he is right then in that moment. He saw the potential that Peter had. And so here's what I wanna, I wanna encourage you, whether it's a family member or whether it's somebody that you want to disciple or, or maybe you don't want to disciple, but somebody, but God has brought you into their life. I believe it's important for us to see the potential in people and not just who they are today. You know, you might have this picture of who you want to coach or who you want to teach or who you want to invest in and they should look this way and that way. And, and, and then God brings you somebody completely different and it's like, wait a minute, that's, I'm, I'm different than that person. That's not who I was expecting, God, but it's exactly who you should be investing into. For some of you, it's, it's our children's ministry or student ministry. And we're like, hey, you should be investing. And you're like, you know what? I was envisioning somebody older and this and that, and they should be here. And it's like, well, we, we are called to invest in, in, in different walks of life. And, and God is, is, is putting people before you. So like, what does that look like? For you? Do you see the potential in the lives of those around you? What family member will you bring to Jesus? And then finally, the third point is that a friend brings you to Jesus. Here's what we see in verses 43 and following. Let's read it. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and he said to him, follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and he said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. So 
a friend brings you to Jesus. This is what we see uh, here. We see Philip bringing his buddy, his friend Nathaniel, to Jesus. Nathaniel, we also know Nathaniel as Bartholomew. And so he was one of the 12 disciples. When we see Philip's name mentioned in the New Testament, most of the time we see Bartholomew's name right after him. So they're buddies, they're friends, they're compadres. And so as soon as he hears about Jesus, he goes to Nathaniel and he says, look, man, we have found the Messiah, the son of Joseph, we, Jesus of Nazareth. You've got to come and experience him. And, and what does he say? What good can come out of Nazareth? <laughs> I mean, that's our fear, isn't it? When we witness to somebody or we share with somebody about Jesus, they're going to ask us a, a question that we can't answer. You know, it's like, what well, good comes out of Nazareth? Um, well, um, you know, that's our biggest fear. We're not going to know what to say. But, but why would he say that? Well, one of the things that Nathaniel has to overcome here as he receives Christ and as he understands who Jesus is, is a prejudice that he has. He's got a prejudice towards people that come from Nazareth. Now, why would he have a prejudice? Well, uh, the city was just uh, next to a very uh, busy roadway that a lot of the Roman uh, soldiers would travel between bigger cities. And so Nazareth was a smaller town. Um, and yet as, as, as those guys passed through frequently, a lot of immorality began to happen as they stopped into Nazareth for a pit stop as they were traveling. And so it became this little hit town off the road that had a lot of immorality in it. And so that's why Nathaniel would say that. He had a prejudice that, man, could anything good come out of a town like that? Now, now, now here's how we relate that. Some of you had to overcome um, a prejudice, a preconceived idea about someone, a group of people or something before you came to know Christ. And I would guess that there are some people in this room even now that struggle with that prejudice viewpoint. Maybe it was about another particular race. And that race came from that area or that whatever. And because of that race, you know, we look negatively upon that. And that is completely anti-Jesus. It's anti the gospel. For some of you, it's a prejudice about a certain style of church and that certain style and, and they're not as good. And, and, and so you, we struggle with that. Or, or maybe it was just people of faith in general. For you, you were prejudiced towards the religious people in the world. And you just thought, man, those religious people, they just need God as a crutch because they're weak-minded. What do they know, you know about life? What does that pastor know about finances, about faith, about anything? I mean, they can't teach me anything I don't know. Many of us have a prejudice. We have a preconceived idea about something. And, and, and in order to grow closer to Christ, we've got to overcome that. How do we overcome that? Well, how did Nathaniel overcome it? He had an experience with Jesus that blew his mind. He goes up and to Jesus and Jesus says, oh yeah, I know you, you're, you're in Israel, well, there's no deceit. He's like, how do you know me? So I saw you standing under the fig tree before Philip came and you know, I, I know who you are, I know what you're about. And it blows him out of the water. He has an experience with Jesus that completely changes him. And he confesses, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. You are our savior. You are a king. And, and God changes his life in that moment. You see, how cool is it when you can bring a friend to Jesus? Notice Philip's response to the question. What good comes out of Nazareth? Hey, bro, come and see. <laughs> what a great response. Hey, come and see. 
Hey, uh, look, that's a great question. I don't even know how to answer that question. Um, you've obviously been Googling and researching a lot about all this stuff. Uh, just come and see, bro. Come, come to Foothills Church with me this week and come and experience. Come and experience the people. Come and experience the word. Come and experience the music. Come, come and experience my small group. Look, 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 look. I know you got a lot of questions. I know it sounds weird. I know it's, it's kind of crazy. Come and see my small group. Students, come, come and see Doxa on Wednesday nights, you know? So, so how, how easy is it truly when somebody asks us a question we don't understand? It's as easy as following Philip's example. I don't know, man, but come and see for yourself. Come and experience it. Why? Here's, the, here's what I learned from that. There's no need for me to get into an argument. I can debate. I'm actually good at arguing. Ask my wife. <laughs> but I, I don't want to get into arguing theology with somebody who is not a believer because they can't understand theology right now. They don't have the spirit of God within them. So I'm not gonna get into a tit for tat. I'm not gonna get into an argument. All I wanna do is invite them. Hey man, just come and see. Just come and experience Jesus. Come and experience him on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday morning. Come experience Jesus on, you know, at my house when I have small group. And, and I'm gonna let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. I can't argue, argue you to grow. I can't make you grow closer to Jesus. No matter how great my argument is, I can't force you to know him more. I can't force you to wanna, wanna grow. I, I wish I could make people grow, don't you? Especially my kids. Grow, dang, gonna smack them around. I wish they would get it, you know? Some people just don't, but God does it. Spirit of God changes people. Spirit of God is, is, is what allows um, uh, someone to come to know him and change their life. It's an experience with Christ that we need to encourage them to experience. So sometimes that's a simply um, an invitation, an invitation. So they're overcoming this barrier, um, uh, having this encounter with Jesus. Um, and so let me just encourage you here. If somebody ever asks you a question about faith, about the Bible that you don't know the answer to, don't guess, you know? Don't, don't answer questions that you don't know the answer to. Now, when you're in small group and you're, you know, you know your leader is like asking questions, yeah, 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 jump in and, and, and say, you know, say what's on your heart and your mind. But if you're trying to lead somebody to Jesus and they ask you a question that you don't know the answer to, man, don't, Try to take a stab at that if you haven't researched it and you don't have an, an educated response. Do this. This is, the, this is the, the wise thing to do. That's a great question. Man, I'm gonna go do some research. I'm gonna talk to some people and I'd love to grab cof coffee with you and talk through that some more. In the meantime, come and see. Come to Fiddles Church with me this week. Come to my small group this week. Come to movie night. Just experience like, like the people at this church. They'll blow you away. And, and, and allow people to experience that. Um, I think too many times we respond to questions that just throw more confusion on, on the subject and doesn't, doesn't help. So um, I think research, getting the, the answer is important to them, um, but maybe that requires some, some research. And I think that uh, Philip here is saying that, it's interesting, you know, he says that Jesus is the son of Joseph. Um, it says that, uh, he is Jesus of Nazareth. Now, obviously, Jesus did live, live in Nazareth for a season. He was actually born in Bethlehem. Then he lived in Egypt for a while. Then he went to Nazareth uh, for a while. So to say that he was from Nazareth, uh, yeah, I mean, it works. But ultimately, he was born in Bethlehem. Was he the son of Joseph? 
Well, I mean, not technically. He was the son of God and Joseph, he, he was born of a virgin, so he wasn't, but yeah, we know what he means. My point in, in, in pointing this out is, is, look, Philip shared what he knew about Jesus. He shared what he knew. And so some of us are so confused about what we should share and, and what we should um, you know, do. And, and, and we're so concerned about messing up and making mistakes. And, and here it's as simple as this, share what you do know about him and let God reveal himself to that person. And ultimately, come and see, man, come and experience it. Come and join in what God is doing in our midst. And so then he goes on here and he says, you know, after he, he says, man, he, he realizes that he saw me and, and this is a special dude. And, and uh, he, he obviously is, in fact, the son of God. Um, then Jesus says this, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. You will see greater things than these. Here's the principle. Related to the principle of the mustard seed. You remember the mustard seed deal that Jesus talks about? The mustard seed is a tiny, tiny seed. But when you plant the seed, it grows into a huge, large, beautiful tree. And so the point here is that when we express a little faith, God gives us great faith. When you express just a little faith, here, here Nathaniel is expressing a little faith and Jesus says, hey, there's a greater faith ahead of you. So if you wanna experience more of Christ in your life, if you wanna experience more of him and, and you want him to reveal yourself and, and you really wanna grow, then my encouragement for you is to begin to express a little faith. Maybe that little faith is just financially. Maybe that little faith is in your relationship with your spouse. And so instead of treating her like you have been, that you're gonna follow God's word and begin to treat her and, and express a little faith by leading her in the way that Christ would want you to. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's sharing your faith with somebody, inviting someone to church. I don't know what it is, but, but begin expressing that little faith. And I believe God will, will give us a great faith. And so here's my final question. What friend do you need to invite? What friend do you need to point to Jesus? I mean, as we look at all these situations here, we're, we're seeing three different ways. Somebody teaches you, family member brings you to Jesus, or a friend is, is now inviting you to come and see. What's the very foundation of every one of these examples? Relationship. So as we leave today, I want us to think about who is in our circle. Who are we friends with? Who has God put in our family? Who do I work with? Who are all these people in my little world? And out of all those people, what is God asking you to do? Who is he asking you to invest in? Who is he asking you to share the gospel with? Who is he inviting you and, and giving you the opportunity to say, hey, come and see what's happening at Foothills Church. Hey, come and see our small group. You see, it's through those invitations, it's through those relationships that lives are transformed. That's what God does. That's how God has, has, has created this making disciples um, mentality to, to take place. This is how it works, through relationships. And so I wanna close with this. And, and so I've given you homework last few weeks. Here's your homework today. And this is probably the easiest homework, all right? So this is kind of like a free one, but it's, it's a good one nonetheless. And that is to go home today and uh, buy an app, okay? but you don't have to buy it. I'm just kidding. It's a free app 
and it's called Life on Mission. So write that down. You're gonna search that in the app store, Life on Mission. Uh, It doesn't cost you anything. This is what it looks like. And uh, what it is, it's a guide to help you have conversations with people about the gospel. So if you guys will go to the next couple of slides here. What it's gonna do is it's gonna allow you to lead someone in a gospel presentation. So it'll start with God's design, going to sin and brokenness, and then how the gospel can transform your life and and, and in their life, um, no matter what sin they've experienced. And so this is a very, very helpful, practical tool that you can lead in the coffee shop at your house. If somebody doesn't know Christ, you can walk them through this and it is amazing. And of course, we don't have time for me to teach you how to use it, but there is a video, right? there on the left hand side it says watch you watch that video and that video will teach you how to lead um, or, or share the gospel with somebody to have a conversation about your faith with somebody else this is an incredible tool now even if you've never used this if you at least watch it and get familiar with it then when you do have the opportunity now you're able to share and communicate what you do know about the gospel. Now, this is big. When I talk about taking a little step of faith, expressing a little faith, that can be as practical as taking your cell phone, downloading a free app and saying, God, as I download this, as I begin to pray through this and think through this, I pray that you'll give me opportunities to express my faith with someone else and invite them to come and see and invite them to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. That little step of faith, God can turn into a great faith. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you. We love you for the truth of your word. And when we look at this and we see that relationships are so key, relationships are so powerful, this really, and it really helps me because I, I see that I, it's not something that I've got to do outside of myself. It's not a particular um, a program or something that I've got to find. What I do is I, I, I just be myself with the relationships that I currently have. And God, you can use me in those relationships to invite people to church, to share my faith. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to have the courage to be bold like like Philip, to be bold um, like Andrew, God, and and to be bold like even John the Baptist, like, like pointing people to Jesus and being mindful of that, making disciples, God. Give us opportunities, everyone in here this week, to do that very thing. And we pray that you'll give us the power uh, to do it and the strength and the wisdom to do it. And Lord, we pray that you would change our family members, that you would change our friends and our coworkers uh, for the glory of Jesus Christ and his gospel and his kingdom. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday as we talk about Jesus throwing a party. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.